what do I love? I love scotch. Hello and welcome to UX Like Us, the podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists, and ninjas. <laughs> I'm your user experience ninja, Roman Burkott. Joining me as always is Larry King. Larry, how are you? I'm doing great. Larry, I, th I think your kind of origin story is interesting as it pertains to UX. You were uh, a, a paid professional chef. Uh, yes, I in my uh, previous career, I uh, did cook for a living and I used to run kitchens for a living. And um, that was the career that I didn't necessarily choose, but I kind of fell into. Um, but at some point I decided that uh, as I wanted to start a family, it got to the point where I didn't want to work every weekend, every evening or every holiday for the rest of my career. So, <laughs> so that was the, the impetus that kind of propelled you out of uh, that line of work. So how in the world did you arrive at, at user experience? At some point I decided that no kitchens is bad. It's not going, I want to do the rest of my life um, after one. And I think that mostly sunk in after I worked a um, 32 hour shift once. Oof. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it was around Christmas time in catering. Um, yeah, it was bad. And, um, I went back to, you know, it was you know, the late nineties at this time. And I thought, well, web design, that's, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. That's what everybody's getting to. I'm going to do web design because that's the new cool hot thing. And, um, this internet thing is probably going to take off. <laughs> I'm going to be a webmaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to be a webmaster. Cause that was like the thing to be back then. Um, and so I went to school, took some design classes and some HTML classes and, you know, things like that. And eventually I, um, figured out that it wasn't so much the design, the visual design and, you know, the, the, the technical side of things that was so imp interesting to me. It was more the, why do all these websites suck so bad? Right. Cause back in the late nineties, you know, you go to a website to do something and you, there was darned if you could figure out actually how to do the thing or find the information you were looking for. Cause it was terrible. Everything was terrible back then. And this was the thing that I was like, these products are really, really bad. I bet there is a future in making these products way, way better than they are. And so that's actually what actually um, got me into user experience was that drive to make digital products really good as opposed to the sorry state that they were in at the time. Well, one of the questions I've run into, you know, over the years, people are frequently asking, you know, how do I get into UX? But the question I've never been asked is, should I get into UX? So I, I thought it would be interesting to kind of, you know, dig into that a little bit as like, who are the people who actually should be getting into UX? What makes a good UX practitioner? Um, Possibly even, you know, regardless of their experience level uh, or what experience they have, you know, in a, in a previous career, what have you. But what are the things that would help them to be uh, a good practitioner? The best way I know to address or, or to answer that question is to think, you know, what are the things that have served me well in, in my career? Um, and, and one of the big ones uh, that I would look for in someone is, is uh, humility, the, the ability to be humble. Um, I think that that humility is really important uh, in any design 
approach because uh, you have to be able to hear what, what your users are saying to you. You have to be able to hear what um, your customers are saying to you. You have to be able to take that, that stakeholder feedback and uh, critiques from your team and, and all these people. And while there's certainly an element of, you know, having a backbone and defending your design, it's important that you also have the, the kind of, you know, openness to uh, hear feedback and actually consider it and you know see if that's something that could uh, really you know uh, improve a design or an interaction or or what have you so i think humility is a, a real important one and something i like to see a lot in uh, you know people who are new to the field or uh, when like talking to a job candidate there's been interviews where i've had to tell somebody like okay so i appreciate that you're a team player and you've been talking about we and now I'm going to invite you to say, to talk about me. What did you personally do? <laughs> because, you know, uh, somebody who is humble, who, who does have humility, tends to have a hard time talking about, I did this, um, because most of what we do, you know, happens uh, as a result of, of teamwork. I agree with the humble thing. Um, I think that uh, it's interesting because most designers aren't perceived as humble people. Um, especially the ones that have, you know, the, the bigger personalities and, you know, they're the visionaries or the, 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 you know, the people that are maybe not doing so much UX work, but more just doing agency design. Wow. Factor work. Right. And like, Oh, I'm, you know, the, the type of designers that are like, you know, the more genius design as opposed to the, the user centered design. Right. So I think like, if you look at, you know, people who do genius, genius design, I think it's more of a, it can tend to be more of a um, less humble uh, position. Um, take somebody like a, you know, Steve Jobs, who's, you know, just wasn't really a designer, but he did make, you know, big product decisions and he was not a humble person. He was a um, person who was very decisive and saying, we're going to do this and this is, you know, no good. Yeah, that's a great observation is that there's a lot of, um, individual players right that you know aren't necessarily team oriented they can do great stuff they really can put out great vision um but that's not necessarily going to make them work well in a, in a team environment which is you know typically the way ux has to get done there's certainly a, a few exceptions oh absolutely i agree um if you think about you know the different types of design you know there's you know genius design um where you're just like hey I understand this problem. It's a problem I'm solving for myself or, you know, something I'm a problem I'm very, very familiar with and, and solving it from that point of view versus what we do in, you know, enterprise UX where we're trying to solve problems for customers. And I don't really work in that industry. I don't, you know, the only way that I have any empathy for what their problems are is because I've talked to a lot of them and seen them, you know, work in their environment and understand their problems because of all the contact that I've had with them. And that's where that, the humble aspect comes, uh, comes um, into importance because you have to have that humility. You have to be able to put aside your own opinions and um, being able to really understand their problems and be able to get your ego out of the way to be able to, you know, really empathize with the 
things that they face and, and be able to come up with solutions that, you know, really, you know, solve their problems as opposed to what you perceive the, your, the problems to be. Well, and, and, and that's one thing I would say to young designers, especially is to learn as early as you can how to not have your enthusiasm get tangled up in your ego because it is important for a designer to be enthusiastic about the problem that they're solving and the uh, user that they're solving for and that they they got to be enthusiastic about the designs you know you don't want to just you know put them up on a projector and say here they are you know uh, there there's a certain amount of salesmanship <laughs> required uh with designs um but you you have to make sure that people feel like you're approachable enough to be able to give you good quality feedback. Otherwise it's just, Oh, here comes that, that designer. You have to be able to sell your ideas to people to get them implemented. And if you can't do that, especially if you're uh, you know, a more junior person, you need to find ways to be, you know, to, 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 to sell your ideas and get them into the, you know, the vernacular into the, into the, 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 the product work stream. And that requires not only, you know, salesmanship, but also building relationships with the people that make the decisions. And so, um, uh, not only, you, you, you know, you have to be humble, but you also you know have a little bit of salesmanship in yourself or be able to develop that skill in order to, you know, make things happen because the best designs in the world were a bad idea to somebody at some point. <laughs> usually person, usually the person that has the power to make the decisions. <laughs> so another important trait in a successful UX practitioner is going to be that they're, they're, they're prolific. I've been reading a lot about how, you know, artists produce, you know, the best artists produce. A while back, I was working uh, for this guy, Ant Creed. He was a, an IDO and an Intuit alum. And uh, when he took over our department, <laughs> he comes in and uh, starts working on our process. And he, one of the first things he, he did was say, for any given like ticket that you're working on, anything, uh, I'd like to see seven to ten sketches first. <laughs> everybody kind of freaked out like wait what you want that you want all these sketches and i was the only only nerd that was like uh jazzed about it because i had already been evangelizing for six sketches you know get get, get yourself a uh, a six up sketch sheet get some sketches out and and you know try uh some variations and some different approaches on the ideas and uh you know the idea there is just simply that uh if you jump straight into a high fidelity uh, design tool or approach, um, your your thinking is going to zero in on a solution, and you're going to get kind of attached to it just by virtue of it having you know come out of your own brain. And you know, there's nothing to say that that's necessarily going to give you a bad outcome, um, but it just seems like the the more uh, variations that you do, uh, the you know, the better your chances of producing really high quality work. Yeah, I think that point comes out a lot in, I think, being prolific and doing lots of sketches is one way to get past that first idea is the only idea you explore thing. Um, I've seen this a lot in my experience. Um, 
especially in very immature product organizations where people will sit around in a room, talk about a problem, then go right into solutioning. And the very first solution that somebody mentions that seems like it could be the right thing, everybody begins to start rallying around. And that becomes the, the, the thing that you do to solve the problem. Um, and I see that a lot. And that That's a tough is, one. you know, and so one way to get past that is to force people to not just talk about solutions, but put solutions onto paper and put lots of solutions onto paper so that we explore more than one option for something. And we do it in a way that's very fast. You know, usually these, you know, six up sketches exercises are time boxed, you know, severely time boxed so that you force people to do things really, really fast. And so, um, you're, you're kind of in those cases, forcing people to be prolific in the, is that something that is, you know, easy for somebody to learn or pick up, right? Um, I think there's some things that some traits that are, you know, indicators of somebody being good in UX, but there's also th traits that are, the point I'm trying to make is like, there's, there's, there's traits about people that are relatively easy to train and, um, you can develop somebody. And then there's other traits about people that you are very, very difficult to change. And it's never going to be something that they're going to um, uh, pick up, right? Like for instance, you know, traits that are relatively easy to change. You can teach probably somebody to be pr prolific, but if it's, you're never gonna make that a natural thing to them. That's gonna be something they have to work on. Um, things like, um, you know, taking risks, right? People are, um, some people may not be, you know, have aversions taking risks, but that's a teachable thing. Um, having a, a focus on customers. That's another thing that, you know, maybe somebody doesn't do naturally, but you know, you get them in an environment and you, you know, give them in the right experiences. That can be something, you know, being customer focused can be, you know, something that can be developed. Um, but then things like analytical skills, Whew. That's a harder one to, you know, if somebody doesn't have analytical skills when you're, you know, you're interviewing them now, and that's important for the job that you are, you have available, that's going to be a really tough one to, to change in somebody or just, you know, creativity in general. Um, if somebody doesn't have a natural, you know, uh, uh, leaning towards being creative, that's going to be something that's, that's, um, um, very difficult to, to change. Things like energy and passion. Those are traits of people that are just part of who they are, depending on you know, what, their, what their, their personality is. And you can't change personalities. So um, I think the first one, the humble one, that, that's probably something that's harder to change. And if somebody has that naturally that, and that's something you're looking for, you know, that's, that's, um, that, that, that's a good sign. But things like being prolific, they may not have it, but that's something I think that it could be taught. And it could be, you know, um, a part of uh, developing someone's skills as they're on their road to becoming a UX designer. That's a great observation. A good process could actually develop things like that. Because um, even the, the case I was mentioning, um, nobody was really excited to do that many sketches. But by virtue of having the boss say, you must produce these, uh, you know, that kind of hopefully taught some some additional chops there so that's a good point you know the, the the whole premise of the podcast right is that 
there are things um, that can be easily learned and there are things that are much harder to learn. And so, uh, you know, what are the things that are kind of hard to learn that you'd rather somebody already have? Um, under under that definition, I would throw out a uh, strong written communication because, man, that that's a tough one to teach. I mean, it's certainly a teachable thing, but that's not a fast thing you're going to acquire on the job. Yeah, I'm trying to think back into my past where somebody didn't have very good written communication skills and they got better over the time that I knew them. Um, because that's not something, you know, people sort of focus on. Like if you're, you know, in your job and you're looking for training, like those soft skills like that are not the things that people say, Oh, you really need to take a writing class. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's something that would be, it, is, it would be a very difficult thing for somebody to, you know, unless they, you know, you put, you know, that was really important to the position that they had. And um, you, um, made it a goal for them, you know, as a, as their, as their, you know, their, their manager, or they recognize it in themselves that they're bad at that, which is usually not the case. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a tough one. So another thing that I, I think is totally learnable, but would be, um, you know, so a background skill that would be super helpful moving into UX, um, something that I just wish that they, they taught as, more of a core part of UX in general is just business skills. So that's where I think like being a, a product manager moving into uh, UX design um, or, you know, uh, even potentially uh, market marketing people who could move over successfully um, due to an understanding of business, which, you know, generally boils down to a lot of human behaviors, right? All of our theories of economics and all that, they make assumptions about human behavior and, and how to how to modify it right so a lot of times having a, an understanding of business can can help out with that kind of stuff designers and ux people need to come to the job with their business hat first uh because um you know that's the thing that we're really here to do you know we are not doing art we are doing design which is we're tr trying to solve problems for people for you know, either profit or sustainability of the organization um, in some way, just like having technical skills has makes you understand more of the context that you are working. So that's a good one. Do you have uh, other other traits that you've thought of? Um, so I think some of the ones that are harder to change, um, but maybe doable, um, people with good judgment, Mm, yeah, judgment. You know, uh, I think that's a that's that's a, that's a it's a hard one to teach, but I think it is something that over time you can um, do, especially if you can give people more context to make those you know those decisions. Um, which you know, like like we just talked about, you know, having more business savvy, having more understanding of the business, having more understanding of the underlying technical you know base that you're working with, having better understanding of the the team environments and the people dynamics that you have in the organization will also help with that judgment. I think, you know, judgment is really taking all the context that's around you and using all of that to, you know, make a, a well-informed decision. And that, um, so I think it's, it's, it's something that's hard to change, but I think it's, it, it's, it's a doable thing. Um, 
negotiation skills, I think is another one that is a hard one to teach, but yet is probably doable with the, with the right type of training, the right immersion into things. And, um, you know, in UX, we're all often negotiating hard to, um, to, to, to train on, but it's something that you, that can be trained and, and people can learn. I think it'll, it takes a little longer than, um, some other skills though. And as far as, and as far as things that are really, really difficult to change things like energy and passion. Uh, I think I talked about those earlier. Um, those are just things that are inherent in certain in personalities of people. And so you really can't teach somebody to have energy and passion about something. Um, yeah, there was a, a, a thing that kind of got fetishized in the UX community a, a while back where it was saying, you know, look for people who have um, a, a hobby or a side hustle that they're really, you know, passionate about because those are people, you know, who are going to uh, be great. I think that's one of those, you know, things that gets a little bit overblown, but nevertheless, it, it can be a reflection of the fact that, you know, oh, here's somebody who, you know, uh, has things that they, they care about. They're going to go the extra mile, um, certainly in their, in their personal life. And hopefully that that would be a, a similar approach shared at work. Um, you know, I know uh, you have a crazy hobby building guitars. I mean, that's not, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I build guitars. I play in two bands. Um, I record music and I have a family with three children. So my, and I do this podcast now, so I, have, <laughs> I, I don't do much, um, honestly, but, um, no, and you actually but, get stuff done at work too. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Um, but I think the, the, the whole side hustle thing is yeah that may be an indicator of of you know a certain type of person but i would not take somebody who has a so-called side hustle and somebody who doesn't and say oh the person with the side hustle is more passionate or ambitious um the other person may just have a family and <laughs> and and has other things that they are less visible than a side hustle might be and so i you know you i and of course you can't ask people about their family when you're interviewing um so um you have to be conscious of, of things like that so that you're not biasing yourself when you're, you know, going through the evaluation of candidates, um, and, 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 and weighing things like a side hustle more than, um, other things that you may not see. Yeah. It's important not to mistake a, uh, a, a shortcut, a, a heuristic for, uh, you know, the, the thing you're actually trying to learn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Larry, I definitely don't want to make the show about the show, but it does bear mentioning that uh, I'm just going to put this out here without having run it by you first. Um, oh God, I'm scared. I, I think you're going to be on board though. Okay. We we have talked about the fact that we would like to have uh, guests on the show. And so um, I'm going to put this out here that when we reach our first milestone of 100 subscribers, then we're going to start inviting guests on the show. So um, I'm putting that out there. Uh, if you've been listening, I, I really appreciate it. Um, your subscriptions uh, to the podcast, your reviews do make a difference, Help helps uh, other people find the show. Um, our show is published pretty much everywhere. So any, anywhere that you might listen to podcasts, uh, we should be available there. If you don't have one you prefer, uh, we particularly recommend uh, Overcast. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love app. Overcast. It's awesome. Um, subscribe to us there. They're good people. They're good people making that app.
when you're listening in Overcast, you can, it's a star, right? Um, it's not a thumbs up, it's a star. You can star a show and uh, that helps with discovery in the app. So for those who have already given us a review, a follow, uh, uh, a subscribe, um, or a, a tweet for that matter, we really appreciate uh, your, your input, your feedback to help spread the show. Get us to 100 subscribers and uh, we'll start bringing people on. Larry, who would you like to have on the show? Who would I like to have on the show? Um, Al Gore. I don't suppose my impression will suffice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be great. That, that, that's perfect. Um, who would you like to have on the show, Roman? Shoot. Uh, well, you know, we're not going to be bashful about inviting big names. Uh, people like that, uh, that Jared Spool guy. I, I heard he knows some things. Um, but I'm actually uh, really excited to uh, reach out to uh, Bud Cadell. Um, if, if you're not familiar with him, uh, look him up. He's uh, got an agency called Noble and OBL. Um, and he puts out a lot of great information into the community, doing a lot of work on organizational design right now. So uh, kind of a kindred spirit. Do, 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 do. Stuff designers love. Woo. <laughs> so Roman, tell me about stuff designers love. All right. So this is a new segment we want to try out on the show. Um, and we'll do it for as long as you guys love it. Um, actually, we'll probably even do it long after that. And when it becomes annoying and obnoxious. <laughs> Let's see. So this week, uh, I have a recommendation for the Make Time book by uh, Jake Knapp and John Saratsky. Um, they were authors of the uh, Sprint book for Design Sprints. And uh, their new book, I believe it just came out this week, but I got an email from Jake Knapp. I'm on his uh, 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 email newsletter list. And in there, he linked to a talk he gave at a, uh, at a conference that was kind of the, the backstory to this book. And so he talks about um, how at that time he had been living six years with a distraction-free iPhone. And so... What is that... I don't even know what that means. What? <laughs> a, a what? A distraction-free iPhone. That seems like the opposite of what an iPhone is. Right. It's a it's a deactivated iPhone. <laughs> did he like put a different operating system on it? Uh, what what uh, did he just like not turn it on? No, so he tells the backstory about like playing with his kids and then realizing like that he's on his phone. And I've certainly, you know, experienced that moment myself. And um, I actually happen to be on day four as we record this day four of a distraction free iPhone. Um, separate topic, but I deleted rather than deactivated. I actually deleted Facebook finally. Um, just have wasted enough time in my life with that. Um, but he's, he advocates, um, doing experiments the same way you would do with a design sprint that you would set up an experiment and, you know, decide what it is you're looking to learn. And then he has like 80 different experiments in the book that he, uh, that he suggests, you know, pick and choose and try stuff that you think might work for you and come up with your own. But one of them is to, um, uninstall Slack and uninstall email and uninstall Twitter and uninstall basically everything from your phone. And so now you've got a phone that can text and make calls. And uh, I happen to have a, a very good camera <laughs> in my phone. 
Um, and that's about all it does. And uh, it's it's been challenging, I won't lie. Um, particularly for the things that like you make the excuse for. So for instance, um, we got to a meeting and we needed to communicate with something and I couldn't slack everybody through the back channel from my phone. Like I'm sitting in this meeting basically stranded and so then like i had to pay attention and stuff it was ridiculous oh man that's the worst paying attention (laughs) but yeah i still i have a web browser i can still get email if i really 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 need it um but for the most part i don't have anything buzzing or chiming at me i've turned off notifications for everything that's not basically like uh calendar related i still have like my reminders for calendars other than that, the phone is quiet and uh, stays in the pocket. So, yeah, I did that same experiment um, a little bit when I went to Disney. That's right. Um, I have been really bad about taking actual vacations in the past, where I basically monitor what's going on at work the whole time I'm, va- I'm on vacation, and that's bad. And I've realized that that is a bad thing. Um, so I decided when we went to Disney that I was not going to do that, and I turned off email on my phone and I deleted Slack and I deleted Twitter and I deleted Facebook. Um, and the only thing that I haven't brought back is Facebook since then. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, it's funny cause, um, my routine before was especially, um, and, and you know, it kind of makes sense based on half the team being on the East coast. In the morning, I get up, I have my coffee, and I jump into Slack, and I see if anybody's already chatting, and I check, you know, my emails and get that out of the way, and, you know, just kind of handle all that, like, little busy work before I get to the office so that when I get into the office, I'm ready to work work. At least that was a theory. Um, My realization today was like, oh, man, I can't, you know, I can't do all my, like, pre-work work. And now, like, I have to get more stuff done at the office. But then I realized, like, that's the whole point, idiot, is like you actually get stuff done at the office. So, oh, by the way, uh, if you need to get in touch with me, you'll have to text me directly because I don't have an email or it's like on my phone anymore. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> so that's, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. There's a, there's the video by Jake Knapp and then uh, the book. I haven't started on the book, but uh, given uh, Jake's, uh, Jake and John's previous work, I'm sure it will be quite good. Yeah, it sounds fabulous. I'm looking forward to this book. I really like the Sprint book. Um, so I'm looking forward to taking a look at this one. So Larry, what do you love this week? Um, what do I love? Um, um, what do I love? I love scotch. <laughs> I can tell you what designers hate, though. Yeah. Stuff designers hate. Woo. I'm sorry. I have a, <laughs> I have a jingle for that, too. Designers hate bad kerning. I remember once, I remember once when I was, um, uh, oh my god, this was like years ago when uh, Glee was like a, a big TV show oh, that yeah. we watched. Remember watching Glee, and I, I don't have the picture. I gotta find that picture of it. But I, like, there was a, you know, one at the when they were going to a commercial break, they would you know throw up a black tile and it said just Glee, you know, all lowercase in their font and everything, and. Oh my God, the kerning on it was ridiculously terrible. There was like so much space between the L and the E and it was, I, I, I really like to find that picture cause it was just really, really bad. I was just like, this is a professional program with people making millions of dollars. 
And there's this one word on the screen and it's the word, it's the name of the show. <laughs> and you would think somebody would have paid attention to this, <laughs> but they did not. It was terrible. <laughs> now mere mortals look at that and go, what's the problem? Um, but you know, designers, you know, designers, right? You had one job. Look at things like that. And they just start to twitch. Oh, I found a Reddit about the glee bad kerning. So it wasn't just me. It's real. It's on Reddit. Reddit will instantly validate any feeling I'm having. <laughs> Not the only one. I mean, the L and the E's are literally <laughs> touching. And then there's like a space between the L and the G. It's like, what is going on here? So it's like, terrible. Lee? Yeah, it's good Lee. Well, once again, thanks for sharing and reviewing the show. Uh, our audience is growing, and we look forward to booking people for interviews. And uh, we'd just like to hear it from you, though. Who would you like to hear from? Be sure to tweet us. I'm at Superman, and Larry is at LA King. That's it for today. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs>